What is up, everybody? Raymond Summerlin here. This is the Sharp Angles podcast. It is the Fantasy Football Preview Edition, which we do every Thursday at 11.30 Eastern on YouTube. By the way, if you're listening to this in a podcast, you can you can watch it live on YouTube. You can ask us questions. Go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, subscribe, and you'll, you'll get to know when we go live. And the reason you'd want to be here live is not to ask me questions. Nobody's interested in my thoughts on, on anything. However, I am joined every single week by the one, the only, the great the Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar. How you doing, Rich? <laughs> don't, oh, don't sell yourself short, man. There's a reason you, you've been around in these streets. Uh, uh, you you have a uh, a Scott Fishbowl Championship belt behind you. You, you know, don't sell yourself That's short. That's facts. Here. Hold on. That's the most success I've ever had in fantasy football is uh, over my left. And as uh, as I as many people in the industry will, will like to tell you, Shane Hallam, I know, tweeted this at me one time, was that uh, I had the worst Scott Fishbowl championship team of all time. But it counts. That's right. It doesn't it matter. Counts. A win's a win. Game is game. That's right, man. Listen, the Giants made the playoffs last year. Right. You can't take that away. That's right. That's right. But, uh, yeah, no, we're going to talk about week eight. I, I feel like I start every week this way, but it really has it really has been this way. Are there any games you're really excited about? Like the one game I was really excited about was the 49ers and the Bengals. And now is Brock Purdy going to play? Like, are we excited about any of these games? Is this going to be what this season is? Is us just going, well, I guess let's 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 wait until we get to the playoffs and hopefully we're going to get some good games. Is that is that what we're looking at? Are there just that many bad teams now that we just can't get excited anymore? Well, I, I think from a, a real life perspective, that's true just because there's not so many great teams. So we're thin on like great matchups. But uh, I will say from like a DFS perspective, this is arguably the most forward I've looked at DFS slate in weeks. Like I think it's one of the more, maybe because there's just more games this week in general. But I think this DFS slate is, is amazing. Do you think it's amazing from like the, an opportunity perspective? Like looking at, looking at, you know, there's not, to me, there's not one game that sticks out that I think everybody's mm-hmm. going to be on. Correct. And so we have we have a lot more opportunity to get interesting than we did maybe recently. And I mean, you always do. Uh, if you had avoided the Chargers, if you avoided everybody in that Chargers Chiefs game except for uh, Travis Kelsey and, and and Patrick Mahomes last week, then you probably you know you probably would have been fine. And so there's always a way to get interesting. But yeah, I think that I think that there's there's a lot more intrigue maybe maybe this week than there would be in a normal DFS week. And so I am kind of looking forward to it to it in that regard. Although if you're like me and you like to just play big money single entry and only play one lineup, one lineup of destiny, that's gonna be yeah, that's gonna yeah. be difficult. It'll be tough this, this week. week. There's a lot of plays. That's what makes it fun is like we've got a lot of there are going to be obviously popular plays ends up being, you know, uh, roster ship gravitates towards uh, some some players on every specific slate. But there are more guys, I think, at specific price points where like there's fulcrum points. We have to make choices this week than it was just like in the past few weeks where it's just like, all right, in this price point, like this guy's a clear standout. Uh, versus this, and then it just steers kind of like the builds all kind of looking the same. Whereas this week, you know, you've got guys like Alvin Kamara, Travis Etienne, Tony Pollard, like all priced in the same. You know, that Brees Hall looks like a really good play. So like, there's like a, all all kinds of options. Maybe there's just better running backs, and it feels better that way. Like that we can act. There's running backs we want to play this week. We could just distill it to that. Yeah, you might actually have a running back in your flex slot for like the first time in <laughs> in this entire season. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's where we're. we're yeah, the million maker side. winner won with double tight end last week, Kelsey and Andrews. So, uh, props to that. 
Yeah, man, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I got to a double tight end last week in one of my lineups, uh, but it was Andrews, and I, I can't even remember who it was, but they got like two points. Yeah, typically, so, I was if you almost see the there. double tight I was end, almost there, Rich. It's like a punt, right? Like if it's like Kelsey yeah. plus a punt or something. But it was the Kelsey plus Andrews play, so you had the, the upside. So like the tight ends actually got he, he actually won the million because of the double tight ends, not just because he yeah, punted yeah. a spot at tight end. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, we still get fun. DFS is always fun. I'm going to yeah, be excited yeah. about DFS by Sunday morning. And then just watch all. But of you're the one that burn. writes the power rankings, like article for the site every week. Like I don't have to do that. Like, but like just from like a casual observer, I mean, like they, we're just we just don't have those teams at the top, like the uh, that are creating these matchups on us on, on a weekly basis. Where we're getting like these two great teams facing off. Yeah, no, I, I I've talked about this several times. Like you get to team six or seven. Like it depends, I guess, how you feel about the Cowboys at this point. But you get to team six or seven, you're like. I don't really know. Um, the The Browns have to be still in the top 12, but with their whole situation on offense, you're like, I don't really know about this. And so there's a lot of I don't know about this going on, which does lead to interesting weeks like we had last week where you're going to have a lot of upsets. And I think that I think that's going to be something that continues. All right, let's get into let's get into fantasy football. Let's talk about a few of these situations before we do, though. I do want to mention we have a sale running on sharp football analysis this week. Uh, it's a Halloween sale. It's spooky season, but the only sp- scary thing from your Sharp Football family is how big of a sale we're running. 50% off site-wide with promo code HALLOWEEN. We're not giving off candy. We're not giving off uh, pencils or toothbrushes. Do you ever get a toothbrush when you were a kid in a Halloween? No, party? no. I mean, I, I'm old, so like I did come up from the era where like sometimes you would get like the handful of candy out of a bag of candy. Like where people yeah. would just drop and like uh and and I have gotten pennies before too. I'm that old too, or the, the 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 old people have handed out pennies, which was great as a kid. We loved getting those. Well, I'm from the south, uh, and as such, I grew up in churches, uh, as I would imagine many people in the south did. And as such, Halloween was not exactly uh, was not exactly smiled upon in my household. But I do vividly remember going to a few church events. Uh, with just people with candy in the back of the trunk and thinking, you know, this kind of seeds, this sends a bit of the wrong message to all of all of us. I don't know if the devil's going to get us, but uh, a guy in a trunk with candy, that might get us. So uh, maybe we need to talk a little bit about this. Anyway, anyway, I think the trunk, for, I think that thing's still happening. You have kids, right? Is the trunk stuff still happening? No, that's definitely not happening anymore. Uh, yeah. Bad. And, and, you know, uh, I miss the days too of, uh, I miss the days of trick or treating, like on the on the weekend. Like now that it's actually like you know on Halloween night, and next week's a Tuesday. While I'm trying to write worksheet games up and everything, it's a big hindrance for uh, my adulting. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to make an appearance on the cul-de-sac just so people don't think that I'm a Scrooge. Then I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna go back inside. I'll see I'll see all of you later. Anyway, we're we're digressed. We've gone completely off the rails. What you need to know is we have a sale this week, fifty percent off. Using code Halloween, you can apply it to anything, any package we have, fantasy betting, weekly, rest of season, all of it, 50% off. Just use code Halloween. The offer expires on at midnight on Halloween, at midnight on Halloween. So that is next Tuesday. So make sure make sure you're using that. All right, let's move on to, to our one of our favorite segments, or second favorite segment, I would call it, real or fake. What was real or fake from week seven? And this was something that we were interested in discussing before news came out on Wednesday of Brock Purdy being in the concussion protocol. And so his kind of status for this week is up in the air. 
based on what we've seen with the concussion protocol this year, I would expect that Brock Purdy's not going to play against the Bengals. Is that kind of where right. you are right now as well? Yeah, yeah. we have so, not seen a lot of people get out of concussion protocol in a week, and they played Monday. So, like, I, I would yeah. say it's doubtful. I think it's doubtful as well. But I still think there's an interesting conversation to be had about what we've seen from him over the last uh, two weeks where he hasn't been great. And actually, if you look at the game against the Vikings, he was not really bad. He still had 9.1 yards per attempt, Mm -hmm. a 70% completion rate. But his mistakes were actually intercepted. He had been running hot on that all year long where he'd been getting away with some mistakes. But either way, it just hasn't been as good for the 49ers since that big win over the Cowboys. The offense that had been you know, historically good after since Brock Purdy took over, that has taken a step back. And I guess the question is, is this just a blip? When Purdy gets back, do we expect the 49ers to get back to kind of where they were? Maybe not scoring 30 points a game because that's wild, but get back to kind of being one of these big offenses. Or are you actually kind of worried about this offense? Has something been figured out? Kind of where you stand with Purdy and in, in this entire 49ers offense? No, I still think the Purdy discourse is is still nuanced, right? Like it's it's tough. Is it's because it's, it's yeah. you know the media is not going to handle it that way. But until like the 49ers like actually are in the playoffs and like he punches up versus like a really great opponent, like I'm always going to be kind of skeptical of how much lifting the system uh, is doing. And Purdy, even for being more of a system guy, even before last week, like he's still like a vibes thrower. Like remember the Giants game, like. He, he lets Jesus take the wheel quite a few times. So that, like finally some of those mistakes caught up to him. And granted, two of those, both those interceptions came after he was apparently concussed now too. So that gets thrown into it. But Fair enough. But the 49ers, like they could have scored 30 points in that game easy. They had three turnovers on the Vikings side of the field. They punted one time in that game. Like they just, they kind of self-sabotaged themselves. You're probably a little bit more let down on how the defense performed. And I think big picture, we know that defense is probably largely fine still in the context of NFL defenses. But it's always going to come down to this decision that they made with Brock Purdy of when they're in the fire, when they have to punch up against the Eagles, or if they somehow make it to face one of these teams, these AFC teams with one of these great quarterbacks, can they punch up in those situations? And until that question's answered, uh, or until we see that question, like it's always going to be people on the fence. What I will say about Purdy is one of the things we discussed ahead of the season. I think ad nauseum was his pressure splits and we have not, he has not been as bad against pressure. We've seen improvement in that area this, this year, I believe some in EPA per drop back, he's like 13th or something like that, which isn't great, but it's better than what it was, what it was last year. And that suggests to me that we are seeing improvement from Purdy. I do think that he's still getting lucky. It didn't work on Monday night. He's still getting lucky from like, PFF calls them turnover-worthy plays, which I think is a good way to describe them, a turnover-worthy play kind of situation. But this offense, and we know what Shanahan can do, and if he's running this offense well, which I still think he is, like I said, like you said, he they should have scored a lot more points on Monday night. They got on the wrong side of turnover variance. That's going to happen. Yeah. But they should have scored a lot more points. They had a bad game against the Browns, but I mean, I guess unless you're Gardner Minshew, then everybody's going to have a bad game against the Browns, which that, by the way, that game, that game is wild. That Carter Minshew had like th- two 60-yard touchdowns in that game against the Browns. I I still cannot process what happened in, <laughs> in that game. I'm, I'm pretending that it didn't happen. But either way, I think that, you know, you go up against the Browns, 
after a massive win, you can explain that away. Last week, you get on the bad side of turnover variance, you can explain that away. I'm not particularly worried. I am a little bit worried if Sam Darnold starts this week, but kind of moving forward, I still think that you know, you're going to want Brandon Ayuk. You're going to want the ceiling games from Kittle whenever those happen. You're going to want Debo when he gets back and healthy. And obviously Christian McCaffrey is the, the best running back on. Yeah, I was going to ask, though, I mean, you know, how concerned you were with Darnold. I mean, Darnold played pretty well last year, and obviously he's still young. He's in this uh, – he's obviously in a, in a better environment than he's ever been in. And, um, you know, he was fifth in the NFL in fantasy points for drop back last year when he took back over as a starter. Um, in an insulated environment, they were a low drop pack team. They ran a lot of play action. He just peppered DJ Moore with vertical balls when they actually took their shots. And now he's in this structured environment. We'll see if they get Debo back. But yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold's only 26 years old. Like, imagine, like, so young. Is that crazy? Yeah. Like, you, he feels like he's in NFL. He's like 35 in NFL years, right? Like, this feels that way. But I mean, is if there going to be a huge you, drop if off? If you asked me, if you asked me who was older, Matt Ryan or Sam Darnold, I'd have to think about the question. <laughs> That's kind of where we are. With Sam. And you know, we we label this segment real or fake. And I want like the one thing we still don't know what's real pertaining to this matchup is what the hell are the Cincinnati Bengals like oh, uh, coming out of the bye? They've talked about they're going to run more offense under center coming out of the bye, which they haven't done to insulate Joe Burrow's you know calf injury. So it sounds like he's maybe as healthy as he's been at this point. And we would expect that. But uh, their offense has been so bad. You know, the they've had one good game. It was against the Cardinals, who literally have, everyone's had their good game against the Cardinals. So, like, what does the what do the Bengals look like coming out of the bye? I'm very intrigued by that as well because if Burrow comes out looking the same way he did, like, how are we ever going to have faith, like, in anyone outside of just, like, playing Jamar Chase volume uh, in this offense? The thing about the Bengals is that their schedule – I guess from a fantasy perspective, their schedule isn't rough after this week because the Bills' defense has just been uh, just dreadful, yeah, and they get the Bills ravaged. exactly, and so they get the Bills after this. But I mean, the Texans, the Texans' defense has been quietly pretty good. By the way, the Texans might win that division. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Uh, then they get the Ravens' defense, then they get the Steelers' defense, and they get the Jaguars' defense, which hasn't been terrible. Like there's a there's a lot of run here of some defenses that you're that you're maybe not scared of and going to run away from, but that you are, you are interested to see how this offense performs. If this offense was last year's offense, you wouldn't be worried about it. But what we've seen this year, the one thing I'll say to that is things did look a lot different. Burrow looked a lot healthier against the, against the Cardinals. And I am on team. The Seahawks defense is actually good. And I've been on that for a while. And so I am interested to see kind of moving forward. If that bears out and maybe that Seahawks performance is Maybe we're maybe we're putting too much stock in that Seahawks performance. Maybe the Seahawks defense is just good. And that's kind of the situation. So we'll see how it plays out. But you can't be like T. Higgins, like T. Higgins is in this week. If you have reasonable receivers, like where did you rank T. Higgins? He can't be in the top 30, right? Is he in the top 30? Uh, let's see. I'll tell you where where he was. Uh I have him up, but I don't think he was. He was where was he? Oh, uh, yeah. He's a, yeah, it, right around 30 and half yeah. and then lower in PPR. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we are with this offense. And then Mixon's getting enough carries and touches that you're going to just going to trust and hope he gets a touchdown. But this is not the offense. If you invested heavily in this offense in best ball, which I may have done on a few teams, you are not, you're not looking great. You're looking forward to next season. So it's, it's been a little rough. Yeah, I mean, best ball is where Chase goes. You force the stack, right? So, like, if you take if you took Chase at, at you know one two, one three, one four, 
you probably in the third round either forced T Higgins at the end of two and then just forced Burrow uh, just to yeah. build the stack because that's best ball mentality. Exactly. No, I, I definitely first forced Burrow, especially after the injury with Chase. I forced Mixon. Um, although I really liked Mixon overall. I, I thought that the, in that offense, the touches he was getting, I thought it worked out. And guess what? It was It's not that offense. And so that's, that's right. what you run into. It, it probably would have worked out with the touches he's getting in that offense. But, you know, it is what it is. You mentioned Sam Darnold and and how the Panthers ran last year after he took over and they were very run heavy. A major component of that was Dante Foreman. And we saw Dante Foreman two weeks ago and maybe not have the best game, but he was still the lead back for Chicago, the clear lead back. Last week, he was amazing. He was the number one. I believe he's the RB1 for the week. Mm-hmm. Now it looks like Chicago is getting, getting Roshan Johnson back. He was a full participant on Wednesday, even though he's still in the concussion protocol. And so the question is, what do we think this backfield is going to be moving forward? Like, how are we how are we kind of handicapping who's going to be the lead back, I guess, the quote unquote lead back as we go forward? Yeah, it's it's a real tough, a tough spot because we don't want to chase the points that, you know, the in the situation Foreman had last week, especially against the Raiders team that completely didn't show up. I mean, Cole Komet was on a podcast talking about like how like the Raiders quit during the game. And you have like a Bears team calling you out about how, how like you quit against them. Like that's not a very good sign of where things are with Josh McDaniel and the Raiders moving forward. Um but well, things just, aren't going great with Josh McDaniels. That's wild. Who would have ever expected that would happen? <laughs> But uh, it's really tough to diagnose because Roshan Johnson was a guy that, you know, the Bears, obviously this regime was high on. He had relegated Deontay Foreman in a sense, at least in terms of being active. Uh, But now he's coming back from a a multi-week concussion, uh, which definitely has to be kind of a red flag. I would definitely not expect Roshan Johnson to be like the, the lead back here. But the question is, does he get enough work to where it's just muddy overall? And then the Chargers have been a lot better run defense this year. Uh, than their previous years, iterations under Brandon Staley. Also, they're just getting flooded against the pass. So, like, they can't stop anyone through the air. Uh, so, I don't really expect the Bears to have, like, a ton of rushing efficiency here either. And they're just road dogs. So, like, it could just be a situation where, like, it's just better to stay away uh, and not yeah. chase the points. I understand fantasy gamers are not in that bucket, right? Like, you just – you have to – if you have these guys, you might have to play yeah. them. I would assume – if I have, if I was betting on it, I would assume it's like a one A one B situation with like a slight edge for Foreman um, this week, uh, and we'll see if like Roshan doesn't have any setbacks, uh, you know, physically. I think what you'll say about the Bears' kind of passing game is they are not set up, at least the way they ran the passing game last week with Bajan. They are not set up to attack this Chargers secondary and the weakness that it has, which is more down the field. Bajan average was it two air yards per attempt against the Raiders, something like that. And they still wipe the floor with the Raiders, which again, it's not going well. As long as uh, passes 15 yards downfield, he threw four passes 10 yards or further the entire game. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I that at least is not that at least is not attacking the weak spot of the Chargers pass defense. So that's that's good. The thing I'll say about Foreman, and if you're if you're worried about him from a fantasy perspective, which I do think is fair, especially given the game script concerns that we have here, it's not like he's been dominating the carries in these last two weeks either. It's fifty seven point four percent of the running back carries over the last two weeks, and so he could probably stay at that number. The question is. Is, he, is Roshan Johnson going to be the primary passing down back? It seemed like he quickly surpassed Foreman because of that, because they wanted to use Johnson as the passing down back. 
And so that suggests that assuming his health is right and they're not worried about his health, which if you're worried about a, the guy coming back from concussion, he shouldn't be playing. So I'm assuming that if he's playing, that they're not going to be as worried about his health, that he will, you know, he will be involved more in that ge- that respect. And then if the script gets out of hand, then you could see a lot more Roshan Johnson. What I will say, and I, I mentioned this a lot in the summer, is that Dante Foreman has now for three years been a pretty good running back on early downs. He has been a pretty effective running back so far this year. Um, he got uh, five yards per carry or the last two weeks, five yards per carry 58.1% success, despite fi- facing a light box on just 16.1% of his attempts. He has consistently been an effective early down running back over three years. He has the draft pedigree. I really do think that if he doesn't have the injury early, early in his career, we think about Dante Foreman a lot different. And I think that that's something that you at least have to keep in the back of your mind as you're thinking about this situation, that this could just be that Foreman's pretty good. And that's a real concern if you're someone like me who has invested a lot in Khalil Herbert. And we'll kind of see how that situation works out. Yeah, both these guys feel like they need a touchdown though this week. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Um. We have a question actually here in the chat. I want to get to this one. Would y'all trade Etienne plus uh, DK Metcalf for Jamar Chase? I'm I'm a lean no. What do you think, Rich? I mean, it's t- it's tough to say. Like the team context, I don't know how many running backs like his situation is, and like versus his wide receiver situation um, in terms of needing that that changes like the the whole dynamic of it. In a vacuum, Absolutely. I would lean towards no, just because Etn is is getting like the, he's checking all the boxes. I even wrote like if we were to reshuffle up the draft and draft today, I think he would be the RB two behind Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think we'd get a lot of pushback on that. No, and I think that in a vacuum, the scarcity at running back is more pronounced. Correct. And that you want to you want to make sure that you're keeping those kind of guys on your roster. But like, if and you it's have a difference. No, that's the difference. Like you know, if he's got you know, I don't know, because because ETN was in a nebulous spot in draft capital, like fourth, fifth round in some drafts. So like, if you did get like a McCaffrey or like you've got Brees Hall now back, and you you, you might have three good running backs, and then that that's the caliber at least guy. If you are trading Travis ETN, I will say that's the caliber guy you better get in return. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but kind of like. I think this is an interesting conversation about the difference between if we're drafting before the season or if we are already into the season and have seen what happened and have that kind of information. Because the thing you're worried about with running backs, the reason you're suppressing running backs is we don't really know how those situations are going to work out always. And you're worried about injury. But now here we are seven weeks in, Etienne is healthy and he's getting a ton of work. And so kind of that conversation changes a little bit where I think that if I was drafting now, I would be taking running backs just as a whole, the ones that have been successful and the ones that have been lead backs mm-hmm. and the ones that are still healthy. I would be drafting them as a whole higher than I was drafting running backs in in August because a lot of that uncertainty that pushes running backs down draft boards is gone. And so I'm going to value running backs higher in the trade market than I would um, in drafts, if that makes any sense, kind of that thought process. No, no, yeah, totally. Um, I would also say too, like I'm telling that gamer they're not getting DK too. Like you're getting ETN for Chase. Like, <laughs> why is DK in this? Why is DK in this deal? I think that's, I think that's fair. All right, let's move on to the Ravens' offense, which exploded, absolutely exploded. I think last week on this podcast we discussed how we're going to find out about the Lions' defense. The Lions' defense had 
had been pretty good against a relatively weak schedule, you know, the Chiefs aside in week one. And uh, I don't know if we found out about the Lions defense or we just found out that this Ravens offense is amazing. I mean, Lamar Jackson, 21 of 27, 357 yards and three touchdowns added, I believe, 36 yards and another touchdown on the ground. Just absolutely dominated this Lions defense. And I had mentioned a few times that it's felt at points of this season, the Steelers game, the Steelers lost, the Colts lost specifically, uh, even in London in that win that it felt like this offense was like sleepwalking. Like it wasn't, it wasn't hitting on all cylinders. It was leaving plays on the field. There were drops for sure. There were massive drops concerns. And then it just clicked against, against the lions. And I kind of think this is, you know, maybe not to this degree, that was an amazing performance, but I think that we are, we are seeing the beginnings here of what might turn into like a top five offense in the NFL. That's kind of where I am with this team. Where are you with them? Yeah, that's kind of where I thought they would be. I think the most surprising thing for me about the Ravens is that the defense has actually been, we questioned kind of where they were defensively, and they look like the, the defense looks amazing. Uh, them shutting the Lions down uh, really stands out to me because offensively, like they're kind of what I thought they would be. You know, we've seen them kind of open up the offense uh, a little bit, and they haven't run as much 11 personnel as we kind of thought. And I think part of that is just due to the wide receivers being banked up um, and then some game script stuff. Uh, but really, because Zay Flowers has really been like the only guy they could count on at wide receiver, whereas Bateman's just never been able to get healthy. And like Odell, same thing, missed some time. Um, but they're just firing away, man. I mean, you look at the offensive lines and banged up. Lamar's playing out of his mind. We talked about it last week coming in that he was actually underperforming his like peripheral numbers, but he had been playing really well. That it took one game to kind of shift those around. Uh, but yeah, I think the fact that their defense is. is their defensive showing against the Lions to me is what really kind of won me over for like them and from like a power ranking stance. Um, but offensively, from like a fantasy stance, like it's we like it because it's really still just two guys getting all the targets. I know Odell had his highest target share in a game last season, but like Odell's not really moving the needle for us around these days in fantasy. I don't know if that's true. Like that was kind of the thing I took away from this and why I, why I kind of my view of this offense changed. I do think it's important to mention that. Yeah, they had had a lot of, um, they had been underperforming based on kind of the way that Lamar was playing, and so this is probably just closer to the way they had been playing, and it just actually, it actually worked. Lamar's adjusted completion rate from PFF, which accounts for drops and throwaways and spikes and things like that, uh, was the fifth best in the league before this game. That's because their drop rate was really high, and we've seen that in games this year. Drops, especially drops in the end zone, drops on what would have been touchdowns. This offense had been underperforming, and we, like you said, we saw that revert. But one of the things that was interesting to me is that Odell looked healthy, and Odell looked – he's not Odell Beckham from the Giants. I mean, that guy is gone. But he looked healthy, right, and if Odell is healthy and moving around the way that he was, and you have that third option in the passing game, we probably don't like that for fantasy. We'd like Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews just get – get all the targets but from like a real life football perspective i think that if odell is healthy and looking like what he looked against the lions and maybe gets healthier as we go then that this offense become kind of is even on another level and like you mentioned the defense the defense has faced a ton of injuries a ton of adversity and they've still been good and they were still good against the lions albeit lions on the road we know kind of how those splits work but if this defense is that good as well then yeah this team like this team is one of the best teams in the AFC competing with the Chiefs. Like that's that's the level we're talking about of this team. Yeah, I mean they're just in the wrong conference too. So like well, AFC playoffs will be fun. But if they yeah, if the Baltimore Ravens were in the NFC, then we. 
<laughs> yeah, would they be the best? They'd be the best team in the NFC. I don't yeah, know. Eagles. 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 That might be a fun game. Eagles. Yeah. Sorry for the Niners, but the rest of the NFC, though, like, I mean, I'm actually now we didn't talk about it, but like now it's like, all right, now that the 49ers have kind of at least opened the door here, that at least makes the matchups versus Seattle more interesting. Yeah, I I moved Seattle up to six in the power rankings since we're talking about the power rank slot. And I think the IMT, I think Seattle's defense is real. And I am interested to see if Geno Smith can get things turned around because I was looking at the Geno stuff and wrote about it. Like it's all the same as last year. They're just, they're just throwing less and he's not having the touchdown production, but all of his, like, like you said, peripheral stuff looks exactly where it was last year. And as I said before the season, that's exactly where it was in 2021 as well. Nothing has changed from that perspective for Geno. This has been a consistent thing for him which makes me think that this offense is just getting a little bit unlucky. Kind of the Ravens situation that we had as well. Get DK Metcalf back healthy and kind of kind of see see where we go. All right, one more here in Real and Fake. And if you're listening to this in a podcast on Friday, you're already going to know the answer to this question. And so we, you know, we you'll know how big of an idiot I am. You know, we already know that I'm an idiot, but you'll know how big of an idiot I am because I'm kind of doubting Dalton Kincaid. I know people spent a lot of fab dollars on him this week. Um, Dawson Knox is out. It looks like Dawson Knox is going to injured reserve. I do get the idea of picking up Dalton Kincaid, but I think that people might be getting a little bit too excited about him. This does open up snaps, but does it really open up targets? Dawson, it's not like Dawson Knox is getting a ton of targets. And I think that what this is really going to do is open up the bills to play a lot more 11 personnel. I think this opens up things for Khalil Shakir and for Deontay Hardy and people like that more than it opens up things for Dalton Kincaid. And if Dalton Kincaid is running 70% of the routes instead of 60% of the dropbacks like he had been, but he's still only being targeted 40 yards down the field, does it really change his fantasy perspective? I'm a little bit, I think people might be getting a little bit too excited about Dalton Kincaid. Again, by the time you're listening to this, I might be a giant idiot. But that's kind of where I stand on this one. How do you feel? <laughs> I'm more in the middle just because I think people just want anything that's playable at tight end. Like, and that's how I feel. Yeah, like, just like, at least it's a playable. To be fair. Like, yes. He's going to be a playable player. I think at worst, he's going to look a lot like Evan Ingram, like how Evan Ingram's getting used yeah. like uh, for that's fantasy. Fair. Like, and, and that's fine. Right. Like if you could just tell me I could plug in Evan Ingram and take my nine to 12 PPR points a week and walk away from the table. That'd be great. I have a few teams that would love those instead of trying to do this whack-a-mole every week of trying to figure out what tight end I'm going to play. Is, is Cole Komet going to get me a zero? Is Johnny Smith a real thing? Is, is David Joku alive? Like all these things like every week that I've been doing in some leagues. At least it gives us a player, and then he's got the offensive attachment. So I think that's probably where people are taking it probably too far is they're just saying, like, all right, I've got this Josh Allen target at tight end. I'm ready in the draft capital, and now I'm just ready to explode. But – even on Sunday, with all the targets increased, 4.6 air yards per target. I mean, only David and Joku and Gerald Everett average fewer air yards per target than Dalton Kincaid. So he still needs a lot of volume. I am more intrigued, like you said, from from a Josh Allen perspective. So I've been like railing on this all year. Is I think that the Bills' approach to how they've built this team is not conducive to Josh Allen's strengths. Like condensing the field and playing more 12 personnel, I think was faulty process on their part. Like you got to live with the, some of the things Josh Allen does bad as an NFL player because the hit, what he does well, other people can't do. Don't re, don't put a restrictor plate on Josh Allen because you have some negative plays. Uh, and condensing the field for him, I feel like is a net negative for what his skill set is. So getting more Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir on the field, I feel like is going to help Josh Allen and just play more like loose Josh Allen type of football. 
uh, and open up the door for him. Now he's still been a great fantasy player through all this, but I think from a Bills perspective, like man, like they, they really just needed another really good wide receiver instead of a tight end. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you, and I think that's what we're going to see. And without Dawson Knox on the field last week, they played 96% 11 personnel. Now they have injury concerns. Quentin Morris was out and is still out this week, so that makes sense. But I, you know, we're going to see a lot of 11. And the thing you said, you know, Kincaid got all the targets last week, had 20% target share. That has happened before this season. The last time he had a 20% target share, he had 27 yards. So um, we've seen him get a lot of targets and still not be not be super productive. But like you said, tight end is what it is. In a league <laughs> that you and I, a redraft league that you and I are both in, which, by the way, I beat you last week. Uh, you know, how dare you lose to an amateur like me? How dare Great you? See it. But I... I ended up with Dalton Schultz in that league, like off the wire. And I was excited. I was ecstatic to have Dalton Schultz. And that is where we are in, uh, in the year of our Lord 2023 with tight end. Just being, just being elated about Dalton Schultz. So uh, it's rough. It's tough out on these tight end streets, but yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, a lot of people are out there, you know, just shoving, shoving George Kittle out there every week and just and Dallas Goddard and just saying, please let it be the week. Yep. Hoping for the best. If you are listening to this live or you're listening to this ahead of Thursday night showdown, I am very interested in Khalil Shakir at 3,200. Very interested. In Deontay Hardy at 1,000 over at DraftKings. Um, are you going to go as low to Trent Sherfield? I think Trent Sherfield's like 600 bucks. Are you, are you going to go that far in your, in your showdown lineups building that? No, I mean, listen, I've always had a soft spot for both Shakir as a prospect and, uh, and Hardy just as an NFL player. Uh, we haven't yeah. seen Hardy though, from the bills perspective, like when they do play him, it's not, he's not getting any vertical juice, which I would love to see. Uh, and that's just it's, the bills. It's offense. so confusing. That's just it's the bills so offense in general this year. It's very, it's a very confusing approach to how they've played uh structural offensive football, because I don't think it's con- like Josh Allen is making this work because Josh Allen is his highs are that good. He's that good of a player, but I just imagine if like they actually ran an offense that was conducive to what Josh Allen does well. Let Deontay Hardy run down the field and throw him the ball. Can we do that? And, and at least this Bills defense, too, for the Dalton Kincaid stuff, like probably helps him and all the pieces that, I mean, this defense has lost a core piece on every level now. Uh, two, you know, they lose that Oliver. They're going to get him back. They lost Daquan Jones, who might not be back until December. Uh, Matt Milano on the second level and then Trey Davis. They've lost literally a core piece at every level of the defense. And I actually brought it up on my show with Hilo last week, I was like, well, it's a bummer. We're not going to really get to see it exploited in this short term because they play teams like the Patriots and the Bucks. And I'm like, well, I guess it might not matter given the last couple of weeks uh, and what Mac Jones is able to do that. I might be wrong about that. It might just be a defense we want to target regardless. Yeah. If I had these stats on the Sunday recap show, 5.8 yards per play allowed to the Jaguars, 4.3 yards per play allowed to the Giants. That's not terrible. But, but transitive know, property, that's like six yards a play. Like Exactly. That's what like I'm another saying. Team. <laughs> it's the Giants. And then 6.6 yards per play to the Patriots. The Mac Jones Patriots, who had not been able to do anything. That is where the Bills' defense is right now. Uh, from a real-life perspective, they have to make some additions. They have to do what Philadelphia has already done, going and trading for Kevin Bayard, um, who... Uh, who was it that didn't know who Kevin Byard was? was? Was it Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders was the one who didn't know who Kevin Byard was. Oh, really? Mobile season. Was that him? I can't remember. I'm sorry, Prime. If it wasn't you, I, I apologize. I hope, I hope you're doing well in Colorado. I don't remember but, that. Um, it yeah, it was some a, some anal, some big name player slash analyst uh, after Byard was had already been like a an all pro, I think. 
didn't know who didn't know who he was. I was like, who's that guy? I was like, that's fun. That was a good time. All right, let's talk about a few of the games here before before we get out of here. There aren't a ton of exciting matchups. I am interested in the Rams and Cowboys, though, for a few reasons. The first is just a Puka and Cup together. And I really like the stats when I was reading the worksheet. By the way, you can find the worksheet over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Remember, you use promo code HALLOWEEN to get 50% off any package, including the all-access package, the fantasy package that include the worksheets, Rich Rebar's worksheets. Go and check that out. But you had some interesting stats in there about just how many targets, what share of targets Puka and uh, and Cup are combining for, and it's it's just wild what what how they're funneling the offense through these two guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just all of them, right? And that was kind of like when people were talking about what Cup coming back is it going to affect Puka, and we were just kind of the argument was like, well, look at how many targets Tutu Atwell is getting, right? And like that's just kind of manifested even further because Tyler Higby now is not getting anything uh the past three weeks 70 67.7 uh, 76.2 and 70.3 of the team targets have gone to just those two guys um it, it what's interesting is we've only had one of the three games both guys have popped off together and then we had a cup week we had a puka week we would like a lot more of those of those targets to be just kind of balanced out to where it's like, hey, both these guys we can just count on every week instead of just trying to guess if it's going to be a Puka week or a Cup week. Uh, hopefully we don't have to do that very often. Uh, my concern this week would just be the Stafford like stuff versus you know him getting moved off a spot spot and the pressure stuff, right? Like when he's been pressured, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and that's probably not something that's a shocking to us given how the nature of Stafford's game is, you know, predicated on being a pocket passer at this stage of his career. But that's probably the one concern is if Dallas is able to really kind of move him off his spot. Cause we saw it last week where he was one of the worst quarterbacks and completion rate uh, compared to expectation against the Steelers when they were able to pressure him. Uh, if Dallas is able to get home, is it a, like who, who is it? Is it a spot where both these guys can be good or do we have to guess that it's going to be a cup or Puka week? Yeah. And I think it's, it's possible that just this entire passing offense gets sunk. And uh, it is, you know, kind of ends up being that way. But the other side of it is, is one of the reasons I think over the last two weeks we haven't seen both of these guys hit is that Stafford hasn't really been forced to, to throw a ton. And so in this situation, if the Cowboys offense can continue to play the way that they kind of did against the Chargers, um, then yeah, know, kind we of. still need to see more. From this, kind of. <laughs> we still need to see more from this Cowboys offense. They still have to create more big plays. They just absolutely have to find a way to create more big plays. But maybe we see... Uh, they only scored 20 points in that game. And, and their one big play was like, I keep saying, was kind of on accident. Yes, Tony it Pollard. was. You could say that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It was just on accident to Tony Pollard. Please, Mike McCarthy, get create more big plays. Uh, and I guess Michael Callup catch passes. Uh, that would be Those would be my two thoughts on the, on the Cowboys offense. I am interested because of those pressure concerns. If we look at this backfield, last week, obviously, we didn't know what to think coming in. It ended up being a, a relatively even split between Darrell Henderson and Royce Freeman with Henderson um, you know, coming well, out. We knew Zach top, Evans was the answer. That, yes. That I think we, I think, and to our credit, we talked about that last week. We were like, I don't know about this whole, you spent a lot of fab dollars on Zach Evans. I don't know about this whole thing that we're doing so yeah, i guess i guess we could take a little bit of a lap for that but i didn't know who it would be between freeman and henderson what i'll say is the reason that henderson is playing the reason they brought henderson back is they trust him in pass protection and if this is the situation that we have here with this with this pass rush and worried about pressure then that suggests to me that we're going to see a lot more henderson this week than freeman and i'm, I'm probably going to lean a lot towards him from a fantasy perspective kind of where do you stand 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really think this is a spot I want to play either of these guys unless I absolutely have to because it feels like a very touchdown or bust situation for both guys. But I would I, I have that. to. Yeah, no, no, people do. And people do. I understand it. So, but yeah, I would lean Henderson as well. And Henderson had the goal line carry, right? Like if you get a pass interference in the end zone or like something happens, like, you know, he had, he had the goal line carry and that's what we want to chase. Like in a, in a game where we're not expecting like either back to like kind of pop off and have a ceiling week. Like we just want to chase, like someone get a money touch for us, please. Or get some catches, which that doesn't happen on the Rams, but maybe no, just, they're not going to throw it in these guys. Maybe simply being on the field, we can get like two or three catches from Henderson. and Maybe that'll, Maybe that'll help us out. One more thing from this game I'm interested in is Tony Pollard. You know, we're coming out of this bye week for them. Um, is Tony Pollard, you know, he's he's getting a he's getting all the touches that we could want from Tony Pollard, but it just hasn't been there. We have not seen the explosive plays that we've seen throughout the entire rest of Tony Pollard's career. Is this the week? You know, the Rams are allowing 4.23 yards per carry to running backs. Rams are allowing a bottom third 1.35 yards before contact per run. That's how you create big plays is getting yards before before contact. Is this the week? Are we finally going to get to see a Tony Pollard week? What, how are you kind of viewing it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the overall, the, the offense in general, this is still a spot where I think the Cowboys could have like, you know, immensely positive game script. And like, we just haven't seen the Cowboys play like a lot of normal games this year. We finally did before the bye them. Like it was the first time all season they ran a play in the second half of a game within seven points of either direction. Uh, and we saw in a neutral game script game, he, Tony Pollard had 88% of the backfield touches. Uh, we are seeing the offensive line finally get healthy too. Uh, I tweeted out like the offensive line continuity stuff and, they are, you know, 29th in terms of like uh, having the same five offensive linemen on the field uh, for for the season. Only 20% of their snaps have had the same core five offensive linemen. So like that's been kind of a hindrance. Uh, the offense in general just hasn't inspired a lot of ceiling potential. I will say this about Pollard: as lackluster as it's been, like he still has three RB one scoring weeks since week one. So like he still has been there, like existing as like a back end RB one. So if you hope if it comes around, like then that you can get some of that ceiling potential. But uh, yeah, we just need in general this offense to just have a spark of more explosive plays. That's like what we're looking for: run game, pass game, in totality. So I still could think if like there's a hope the pressure gets there this week for Dallas and like they're able to just go ahead early, like all bets are off because we haven't seen like this team like in the second half of games that like we're there ahead like really give us like a, a proper fantasy run out for these guys. Yeah, and you'd be worried about C.D. Lamb because this right. should be a good spot for C.D. Lamb. But we've seen in those games that he just kind of disappears because of kind of what they're doing and just sitting on the ball. So They're yeah, boring, man. They're that boring. would be the concern. Yes, they are boring. And that is where we've, we've, we've got the Cowboys to be boring. What a time to be alive. I never thought we would arrive. We'd arrive at this point. All right, a couple more things just to go over real quick here. I think it's interesting to talk about George Pickens because – what we saw last week with Deontay Johnson back, I think is a bit surprising. It wasn't surprising he was dominate, dominating targets with you know Johnson and Fryermuth out. But last week, he kept that up. Last week, he was still um, you know, 28.6% target rate per route, over 30% target share, over 60% of the air yards, over 13 yards per target. And so Pickens, even in this offense, even with you know, the struggles that Kenny Pickett has had, Pickens is still the number one receiver being treated as the number one receiver getting those targets per route like what we hoped for before the season after you know we didn't see that as a rookie was at 14 percent or something like that 
as a rookie. The Jaguars don't allow a ton of big plays, but they are being lit up by outside receivers. I'm I'm very interested in Pickens this week, especially if the script leads to us having more more Steelers passes than maybe we're accustomed to. Where are you on on him? Yeah, I know Mike likes uh, Kenny Pickett this week too, uh, from a DFS perspective. I mean, I, Pickens. I thought people like were tearing him down too much from a rookie year perspective, and he was he became up becoming undervalued in fantasy drafts because the types of value targets he gets just carry value for fantasy football, right? Like you know, vertical targets, end zone targets. To me, he looked like uh, you know if you had like the the Russian nesting doll of players, you would have T. Higgins, Mike Williams, and George Pickens, right? Like in the order of ADP. And I was like, oh well, if I you know he looks a lot like these guys, but at like a, a discount, and I think that's what we have with him is there going to be some volatility with the types of targets he gets coming from the quarterback play he he has yeah sure but the targets he gets are valuable um and he's getting more of them this season and they have a thin target tree like who else is challenging now that pat fryermuth is on ir like who else in this offense is chart challenging for targets outside of deontay johnson like the ghost of Allen robinson isn't getting targeted calvin austin hasn't gotten any runway uh connor hayward isn't getting targets uh like so yeah. like yeah it's it's a it's a two-man deal here I, his his name is penn state legend alan robinson thank you very much penn state really could have used alan I robinson listen, Even i love this of alan, alan robinson, robinson the player it's been really tough for the, these last couple of years to watch this version of alan robinson has it it hasn't been ideal i do think it's interesting you talked about the type of targets pickens is getting when we're thinking about calvin ridley who calvin ridley we've been very disappointed in and i brought this up before the colts game when i when i was fading calvin ridley and it worked out for me it didn't work out for the right reasons but it worked out for me that Calvin Ridley's usage has shift, shifted completely from the first two weeks. And it has now been consistent ever since then that he's being used down the field. He's being used five to 10 yards further downfield than he was in weeks one and two. Like you said, that's going to create volatility. And he has had, uh, he has been on the bad side of that volatility recently, but it also creates the opportunity for spike weeks. And this is a week where you could see a spike week. I, I'm also interested here in Calvin Ridley if we're going to see this usage continue. The Steelers, 13.9% uh, of the wide receiver targets against the Steelers have resulted in a 20-yard gain. That's the fifth highest rate in the league. I wonder if this is the week we see Calvin Ridley kind of get back get back to it. And if it's not this week, then I, I think you're really, really starting to get worried about Ridley. Kind of where do you stand on him? Well, and the dynamic of if Zay Jones is up too, like how does uh that hurts? You know, yeah, the that changes. Where's the paradigm yeah. shift in usage? Uh, has he only been kind of pushed into this role because of the absence of Zay Jones? We don't really know, right? Because we don't have a yeah, huge sample. No he was on the team last year, but I will and, say, um, and to that point, like what happens to Kirk if Zay Jones is back, and if they want to keep using Kirk the way that they're using Kirk because he wasn't really used early in the season, then does that mean we just have to keep using Calvin Ridley this way? If there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty here in this offense. Yeah. And, and even it's weird that the uncertainty is exactly. And it's weird that the uncertainty is built around Zay Jones of all people, but that is, you know, that's where we are with this offense. Yeah, no, Zay Jones uh, he he serves a viable role in that offense as the vertical guy and and as a red zone target. Like that he's a clear role of what they want to do with him when he's on the field. Uh, but yeah, that's what's happened to Calvin Ridley, though, to, to, to explain it, like in a nutshell, is what you said. I mean, he's it, all of his work is vertical and outside the numbers. So like we, when we bring out with George Pickens, we do want those types of targets. But you also want to have like a smattering of like efficiency smoothing targets, right? Like Pickens is no longer just getting go routes. He still is getting some of the, the inside work too, uh, like a lot of the comeback stuff, the outs. He's still not really getting middle of the field usage, but 
you look at Calvin Ridley now, 56% of his targets are further than 10 yards down the field. 60.4% of his targets are outside the numbers. So vertical, like these, these are targets that come inherently with a low success rate. And that's why not only is Christian Kirk out-targeted since week two, but so is Evan Ingram. He's been third, third on a team of targets because those guys can get more of those efficiency smoothing targets. So this would be a spot though, if you, if he is stuck in there and you're going to, you're going to treat Calvin Ridley as like a boomer bust type of player like where you'd play the boom side, given the, the spike weeks, the Steelers have allowed to some wide receivers, especially boundary wide receivers uh, to play for that. I don't think you just run out and you have to shelve him unless you have great options. Um, but yeah, we're waiting to see kind of more of the sample flush out with the Jaguars. And I don't think the Jaguars are an offense that definitely have hit their ceiling either. They're a team that could definitely have a stronger back half of the year, especially Trevor Lawrence. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of we're waiting more of things to get flushed out here with this with this team. Yeah, and I'm also just kind of from a DFS perspective, if everybody's down on Calvin Ridley, but this looks like kind of the week it might work, then especially if you're chasing Pickens the other side, like this could just be one of those sneaky stack games. That I'm that I'm going to be I'm going to get very interested. This there's only one two ways it goes, right? Like it's either a sneaky snack game or we get like the token Steelers home game where it's just like dude, the, somehow like the Ravens game. Seven, yeah, seventeen ten Ravens. Yeah, some, somehow it just ends up seventeen sixteen or something like that, and we're just like gross. Real quick before we got to get out of here, do you have any thoughts on the Colts backfield after what we saw last week? Are you still in the? Are you still in the? I think last week you told me I have no idea. Are we still in the? I have no idea situation with this Colts. Well, if it, listen, if Zach Moss he didn't practice Wednesday, if we get him out of the way, I mean, here's what I will say about it though: is if they're going to run this many damn plays, it might not matter. Like if, it like, might, yeah, if if Taylor and Moss could both get 18 carries a week, then. Who cares? Is that kind of where we are? Well, if they're going to keep, because the Colts consistently have a team in this era where like unders have been popping more than ever in NFL history. Like the Colts have been this one Gibraltar we have of like, hey man, the Colts are going to play a weird ass game this week. Like there's going to be points in the Colts game because they play fast. They run a ton of plays. Their quarterback is high variance uh, and their defense is extremely passive and not good. So like we've always like we've been just glomming on to like Colts overs and Colts games through DFS. I think every week in the game stacks are I just write the Colts up every week. I'm like a Colts probably gonna play a weird game. Like, you know, like here we go. So if they're gonna run this many plays, like even if it ends up being a, a 50-50 split or say or 60-40 split, like Taylor ends up edging them out, like you're gonna have weeks where both these guys could be kind of usable. So maybe it ends up not mattering. I will say I like too that the uh, they used Jonathan Taylor like as a receiver last week. Like he lined up, he flexed out as a wide receiver, caught like a slant. It's like they're finding ways to get creative. Yeah, he actually ran more routes and had more targets than Moss, which is a little bit surprising to me that that we saw that last week. And as you mentioned, it like it just they they play fast and they play odd and they have a bad defense, and that could mean that we just I mean keep keep banking those Josh down prop overs because those are going to keep on hitting. We're just going to keep talking about him and keep banking them. But yeah, that, that leads to that. And on the other side of it, it's interesting because Derek Carr has attempted 50 passes in each of the last two games. He's done that eight times in his career. And two of those games have been the last two weeks. You look at kind of their pass rate over that time period, their pass rate is exactly expected. So I don't think this is something we're going to see continue but this could be another situation where they are forced to play a little bit faster. Maybe if the Colts offense has some success, I don't know. The Saints defense, you know, is, is pretty good. And they're especially good against the run. So maybe they're not going to have that success. But if this Colts offense has success, are the are the Saints forced into this situation? And are we going to get a ceiling game out of somebody like, you know, Chris Olave? And so, and so that's the, you know, 
that's kind of the interesting situation we have here in this game. Yeah, I yeah, I love this game again, especially in the context of the slate for DFS. Like you're talking about like game stacking. It's like the one where you see like both sides being kind of like effective on offense. Uh because even though the Saints defense is good, like they're still a team that will give up uh some production. So uh yeah, I, I love this game, man. I think Alave's in a really good spot. Uh, you know, granted he he can translate some of the his speed and his vehicle to on the field because he's crushed against cover three. We know Gus Bradley's gonna sit in cover three. Uh, what we like too about his cover three splits is that Derek Carr and those single high safety looks like his on target rate is so much higher than the other stuff that Olave gets like against other looks where just stuff comes with that. Like, again, we mentioned the low success rate type of stuff that you have to live on those vertical shots. Uh, only 10% of his targets against cover three are, have been inaccurate compared to 20 and percent against other defenses. So it's going to give him a little more stability too. So, and then Kamara is just getting so many damn targets. Like, I mean, his floor side, he's not, he's still been as ineffective as a runner as he was last year, but it hasn't mattered because he's getting just ridiculous targets. They're, they just like call plays on fourth down for him. Two weeks ago against the Texans, they didn't get the fourth down, but they ran a design play to a running back out of the backfield to try to convert. And then last week they did convert one where he got to run an option route. So it's like, they're not even trying to run real plays. They're just like, dude, we're just go out and beat this guy one-on-one. And like, that's the play. And if you get 15 targets, who cares about you know about the rest of it? I didn't want to do a slight PSA to NFL players. Um, stop driving fast on residential streets. I promise you, there is a there is a racetrack that you can pay to go to near you. I like to drive drive fast. I love driving fast. I've driven sports cars my entire life, and I've been on a lot of tracks. I, there's one very close to my house. It doesn't cost very much money. You're an NFL player. Stop driving fast on residential streets. Take that car to a track, and you'll have a good time. Thank you. PSA, uh, Sharp Football Analysis cares. Let's get out of here pretty quick with Uncut Gems. Who do you have as your as your Uncut? By the way, I, I do have to say, Uncut Gems, we've been hitting. We've been doing really great in this. So who do you like this week as your, as your Uncut Gems? Yeah, I don't know. It's not as sexy this week as in weeks past, but I'm going with the, the Gus Bus, Gus Edwards. Gus Bus uh, time. I feel like if you have Gus Edwards and you ain't playing him this week, he shouldn't be on your roster. Uh, just just, just let him go. Uh, we've seen him now the, the past two weeks out touch Justice Hill 32 to 16. Uh, just a tremendous spot here. Huge favorite against this Cardinals defense that we've been targeting every week. They're 25th in yards per carry allowed. They're running backs, 25th in rushing points allowed per game. And running backs have scored 47 point four percent of uh the touchdowns the cardinals have allowed which is the sixth highest rate so if you if you got gus edwards this is like the ideal time to dust them off play gus edwards uh this is this is when we're rolling him out there mine is i did go a little bit odder for mine mine is another running back and in this week with no buys maybe we're not getting all the way down to devin singletary but i do think that it is interesting that before the bye, Devlin Singletary handled 46.2% of the running back carries. He had one fewer carry than Damon Pierce. He was much more effective, has been as has been the case all season. He ran twice as many routes and was the only running back to earn a target in that, in that game for the Texans. The Texans running game has not been working. It looks like they are searching for solutions. And Singletary has been more effective. And I wonder if we come out of the bye here with Singletary with more of like, the running back one a to Pierce's one B. And if that's the case, then they have an opportunity to have success this week against the Panthers. Panthers have given up 5.3 yards for carried running backs this season. They've given up a league worst 11 rushing touchdowns to running backs this season. It's tough to make like a really strong case for Singletary 
with no buys and you're like, well, where am I going to put him into my lineup? But if you're really struggling at running back, if you're looking at starting Pierre strong as I am in, in one league, then I am, you know, I think that Singletary Singletary is a very interesting case here to, to get ahead of his usage. And maybe people have forgotten, especially in DFS. I I'm, I'm interested a lot in Singletary this week. Uh, am I, am I wild? Is am I going a little crazy here? Like, can you go this deep on Singletary? Uh, you can in leagues where, like I said, you, you, you talked about playing Daryl Henderson in the league. I think he's probably in the same like bucket of that. For DFS, like he probably like think of the game he has to have to probably deliver though for you. Like you probably need multiple touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, uh, you need two and, touchdowns. And, yeah, it's both these backfields are going to be interesting coming out of the bye because do the, does Carolina have a committee moving forward? Do the Texans have a committee moving forward? Uh, it's going to be something to watch for both those teams in this game. Carolina definitely has a committee moving forward. I'm sorry to everybody like me who has a lot of Miles Sanders on best ball teams. Carolina has a committee moving forward, and that is that's going to be rough. All right, let's get out of here. Any closing thoughts? Anything you're looking forward to here in week eight? No, I mean, I just, you know, full week of games. I, th- I think the slate is not, is from a, a, a real football observer, not the greatest, but from like a fantasy perspective, I think there's a lot of uh, exciting opportunities here. So you can, you know, read a lot about a lot of the, the things I wrote up in the worksheet. I think I'm going to have fun writing up the DFS like core pieces and tournament pieces this week. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure you're checking those out. The DFS articles have been doing great. Uh, we released those on the site on Saturday morning. So we have those DFS up there. It's part of our fantasy package, part of our all access package. Remember you can get those for 50% off right now with the code Halloween until midnight on Halloween night next Tuesday. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. You're reading all of Rich's content over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Stay tuned. We have another podcast episode coming for you today over on the YouTube channel, talking about DFS and talking about betting. Actually, I'm going to be on that one today. You get me twice today. I apologize to everybody. I apologize to all of your drives that you get to hear this twice today. But make sure you check that out. Check out our Sunday recap show. Stay tuned to this podcast feed. We appreciate it. And Rich and I will be back to talk with you next week.